Welcome to the CXM Experience, and I am Grad Khan, CXO at Sprinkler, where we put the experience in CXM. So um, I always like to talk about experiences being the new brand. Uh, experiences are what companies are differentiating on, and the gold standard, I think, for many, 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 many years and many decades, um, many generations, I would argue, is the Walt Disney Company. And what is quite interesting is the Walt Disney Company has managed to differentiate on experience almost from day one and has done it brilliantly over and over again um, and yet has not been copied nearly as much as you think because what they do and the way that they land experience is reasonably transparent. It's not that hard to understand what they're doing and it's been written about. They've got an institute where they teach it. Uh, there's all sorts of different ways of seeing it and experiencing it. And yet it seems to be very hard to duplicate. Uh, so I want to talk a little bit about a slightly different version of the Walt Disney experience today that's emblematic of the Walt Disney spirit, but is different from the company itself. So typically, when we talk about the Walt Disney ability to deliver great experiences, we're talking about the Walt Disney Corporation. And that corporation has a fine-tuned and finely honed way of behaving from calling their employees, cast members, and you know, which is becoming more common now, but it was very unusual in the '80s when they were they were doing it, uh, to calling their uh, customers guests, which again has become much more common, but extremely unusual when they first started doing it. But you think that's a company, right? That's a company. They've they've got processes, they've got playbooks, they've got you know people that sort of execute it all. They know how to do it. They're a corporate entity that's executing against a kind of a consistent set of principles. That's just sort of the way they are. Then you go to the Walt Disney Family Museum. So the Walt Disney Family Museum is not part of the corporation at all. In fact, I'll, I'll give you a, a bit of a sneak peek in a minute on how much it's not part of the corporation or how much the corporation probably uh, does not enjoy this particular place. But the Walt Disney Family Museum uh, talks about the life and legacy of, of Walt Disney. It's located in the Presidio of San Francisco. So it's in the Golden Gate National Recreation Area in San Francisco. Uh, and ta has taken three existing historic buildings uh, in the Presidio and uh, in, the, in the main post area that uh, focus, focuses the parade ground and has re renovated those buildings and combined them. So there's three buildings kind of put together. It opened uh, more than a decade ago uh, in October 2009. And it's not only not part of the company, but it is, uh, in fact, a nonprofit. And it's actually run by the Walt Disney family. So it's uh, actually operated and funded by the Walt Disney Family Foundation. Uh, and that was established by Disney's heirs, including Diane Disney Miller, uh, Disney's daughter, and the founder of the museum. It's not formally associated in any way with the company. Uh, or the media and entertainment conglomerate we all know and love. It's 40,000 square feet, and um, it's got some pretty cool stuff. It's got you know a lot of Disney's early work, a lot of interactive galleries, uh, drawings and animations, movies. Uh, there's this amazing 12-foot diameter model of Disneyland, as it would appear today if Walt Disney was still alive. So it's this kind of alter future version of Disneyland that looks very familiar. It looks like Disneyland, but there's a bunch of stuff there you never saw. There's a bunch of stuff there that's gone, but would have stayed. And it's this uh, an interesting alternative view of what Disneyland could be or should be. 
Um, he's also got all of his awards. So he won 248 different awards during his career, including the Presidential Medal of Freedom, uh, all his Academy Awards, including the really cool honorary award that he got for Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, which if you've never seen, the Shirley Temple presents it to him at the Academy Awards. It's really cool. And uh, it's a full-sized Oscar. And then there's little seven miniature Oscars uh, sort of cascading down, representing, of course, the Seven Dwarfs. Um, there's a, a digital theater, which films uh, screens films on a daily basis. Uh, there are 10 permanent galleries. And um, the most maybe coolest thing, the most interesting and maybe valuable thing in the museum is that he was a famous railroader, loved railroads. And in his backyard of his home, he had a, a rideable miniature railroad. So it was a miniature railroad, but you could sit on it. And it was called the Carrollwood Pacific Railroad. And uh, the main locomotive was called the Lily Bell. And that entire railroad and locomotive is in the Walt Disney Family Museum. So the thing about this <laughs> Walt Disney Family Museum is that it is potentially one of the most compelling experiences I've ever had with the Disney brand. And, and so I want to talk about this concept of experience and that Walt Disney was able to imbue the idea of experience in such a way that even organizations that had nothing to do with his main company can still execute it. And so there are just three things I want to sort of highlight about the museum that when you go, you have to go. I mean, if you haven't been, you have to go. Even if you're not a Disney fan, you just have to go. It's just the most amazing museum ever. The, the interesting part is it's two stories. And when you walk in, the, the main story is all his childhood growing up. And then it goes through his years in Kansas City, uh, where he sort of first attempts at animation, uh, which were ultimately unsuccessful. He went bankrupt in Kansas City. Uh, great story about persistence and grit. And then got on a train and then went to Hollywood to join his brother, Roy, who said, hey, Walt, come out to California. It says the new, the new place to be, and we'll start a business together. And then the two brothers famously went on to found Walt Disney Studios. And it is really the two brothers. I mean, people don't give Roy nearly the credit that he should be given for making uh, Walt Disney Company successful. But without Roy, it would not have happened. I mean, without Walt, it wouldn't have happened either. But it's it wasn't just a Walt show. It was a Walt and Roy show. Anyway, so the museum executes this transition brilliantly. So you're on the first story. You actually start by seeing all the awards. You walk through his early life. And all his early life had a significant impact on his creative juices and the kind of what he imagined and he brought back many things of, from childhood memory and if you go down main street and uh walt disney uh, world or uh, in disneyland you know those are recreations of these sort of homes and then you get into an elevator and when you get into the elevator the elevator's mocked up like you're inside a train so you leave kansas city you get an elevator Doors close, and then the train sounds start, and the elevator sort of rumbles up to the second story. So you essentially take an elevator ride, and you walk out, and you're in the beginning of his Hollywood years. It's oddly compelling for a one-story elevator ride. You know, it's this—it's such a significant transition, and they do it so well. And I think, why did they do that? Where did they come up with that? Uh, and it feels to me like. The founder's inspiration can guide people in such interesting ways. It's almost like 
by saying it's the Walt Disney Family Museum, they were compelled to make sure that the experience was really deep and really enjoyable. The second piece of it is then you're in this second story gallery as you go through his whole history building the studio. And what's interesting about this one, there's a lot of multimedia, a lot of interaction. You can spend a whole day in this place. I mean, it's it's unbelievable amount of content. But it's a story that's not very often told. It's the thing I love about Walt Disney. And people often ask me why I'm so obsessed with Disney. And, you know, I am actually, I do love the experience. Um, I do love, you know, being a kid. That's, I'll, I'll kind of admit that. But, um, but I have such incredible respect for Walt Disney that I'm inspired by walking in his footsteps. And although I love Walt Disney World, been there you know, more than 50 times, um, I once spent nearly a year in Disneyland and went there every day. And what was so great about that, and I was, I just, I needed a, I needed a bit of a break. So it was, it was kind of a burned out time in my life. And so I, I just spent the days walking and knowing that in certain parts of Disneyland, many have been replaced, but in certain parts of Disneyland, I'm still walking on things or touching things that Walt Disney himself would have created or touched or put in place. And I found that really exciting. So what's interesting about this story is the Walt Disney story the untold Walt Disney story, the story the corporation doesn't tell, is a story of enormous obstacles and setbacks. Uh, if you think about a normal story arc where you've got sort of a position of sta- stasis and then there's an inciting incident and then the protagonist or the hero attempts to move back to stasis, so but encounters obstacles along the way. Uh, Gravity may be one of the best examples of that. The Sandra Bullock, uh, George Clooney movie is an excellent example of that. Um, Classic story structure. But this museum employs that classic story structure, which he's got this sort of bucolic life growing up in middle America and then goes through this series of obstacles to try to recreate that life for others as new stasis. And the trouble he had with unions and, you know, cranky animators and brutal competitors. You know, he had a character called Oswald the Rabbit, which was his first sort of hit. And Oswald the Rabbit was literally, he went on a business trip to New York. And then the two weeks he was gone, because he had to take a train. And the two weeks he was gone, the character was stolen. And all the animators left to go work for this other studio. It's just amazing. The Ub Iwerks, who's one of his original animators, um, let him down terribly, uh, and it must have been near mortal blow. Uh, but Walt Disney persevered. Um, it was when he was coming back from New York after learning about the loss of Oswald that he sketched out Mickey Mouse, and uh, the legend was born. But you know, they you don't realize all the different the strikes that happened. The uh, um, the challenges on productions, um, the, the grosses not being where they needed to be. Peter Pan was a bomb. You know, we don't think about that now, but it's a huge bomb. Uh, so the challenges to the grosses, the challenge of the war, uh, people weren't going to the movies. They couldn't, you know, so they moved to kind of warp time films. They were okay, but not great. And then after the war, then, you know, that all went away and they had to rebuild their business again. It was just a, it was just a series of setbacks and challenges and obstacles. But if you really read it, if you really absorb the museum, it gives you this deep respect for the grit that's required to build a company and makes you very thoughtful about how hard it must have been to get there. And that's, that's the second part. The third part 
and this is the most amazing thing, is uh, you're kind of engrossed in this story, right? He's overcoming obstacle, overcoming obstacle, overcoming obstacle. And then, um, and then you walk into this gallery uh, just out of the blue. It's the 10th gallery. You um, look around and you realize that you're in the gallery where he died. So he died quite young. I mean, he was only 65. So he decided, died December 15th, 1966. And um, he, always thought, he always thought he was going to die young, but he thought he was going to die really young, right? So um, he was, um, when he met Lillian, his wife, um, he told her, um, Hey, listen, I'm only going to live for a few years. So, you know, I'm not going to be your husband for long. And she said, well, I'll take the risk. And cause he had a fortune told her, had told him that his, his lifeline was short on his hand. And so he always took like a lot of risks cause he always figured he's going to be dead in a year, <laughs> which is potentially part of his secret as well. Anyway, so he's still relatively young though at 65 and died from lung cancer, smoked a lot. He, uh, and then this room is, you know, he's dead and it's all the tributes flowing in from around the world at the moment of his death, right? So all these different world figures and all these different news reports, all reporting on the death of Walt Disney. Uh, and imagine the kind of cultural figure that he was uh, in the mid sixties. Uh, at this point, Disneyland would have been open for 11 years and, and he was just part of that whole baby boomer. And he'd been on everyone's television set every night. Um, on the wonderful world of Disney since, you know, also since like early sixties. And so, you know, he was just a kind of part of America and, and then he's dead. And I have been to a lot of museums in my life. I have never, uh, cried in a museum before. And you just sit there and the impact of it just hits you. They do an amazing job of helping you understand the cultural moment of his death. And, um, and you weep. Uh, it's, it's a tremendous experience. Uh, and so you, when you walk out of the Walt Disney family museum, you walk out with the sense of what made him the person that he was, the obstacles he had to overcome to be able to like communicate that vision to others, which is really what he wanted to do. He wanted to share with others, his vision of America and his vision of life. And then the impact uh, of his uh, passing at a relatively young age. So, uh, you know, so if you get a chance, go to the Walt Disney Family Museum. If you don't get a chance, make a chance and go to the Walt Disney Family Museum. It is experience personified. Uh, they've done an incredible job of bringing that to life. And if they could do that online, uh, it would be equally amazing. I'd love to see that. So for the CXM Experience... This is Grad Khan, CXO Sprinkler, where we put the experience in CXM. And I'll see you next time.